From a Spider to an Ant Speaking of Eliot's enlightening insights masterfully expressed, there was a paragraph in our last reading to which I would like to devote a post all its own. Eliot opens this chapter with more of her subtle satire, as she describes with gentle humor the many forms of irrationality in the discussion of the robbery among the Ravelow villagers. There is Justice Malum, who, with his capacious mind, is capable of drawing much wider conclusions without evidence than his neighbors can. There are the villagers unable, or unwilling, to connect Dunsey's disappearance to the robbery, since doing so means looking with suspicion upon the family that provides their Christmas puddings. And there is the antagonism between the tinderbox theory camp and the impenetrable mystery camp, neither of whom arrive at any truth regarding the robbery, but whose diatribes against each other elicit true opinions of collateral importance. I laughed so hard at that line. Then Eliot transitions into a paragraph of heart-rending pathos and powerful insights as she discusses Marner's own thoughts and feelings. Let me read again this exquisite passage, and then I'll spend some time looking at it with a closer eye. Quote, but while poor Silas's loss served thus to brush the slow current of Ravelot conversation, Silas himself was feeling the withering desolation of that bereavement about which his neighbors were arguing at their ease. To anyone who had observed him before he lost his gold, it might have seemed that so withered and shrunken a life as his could hardly be susceptible of a bruise, could hardly endure any subtraction but such as would put an end to it altogether. But in reality, it had been an eager life, filled with immediate purpose which fenced him in from the wide, cheerless unknown. It had been a clinging life, and though the object round which its fibers had clung was a dead, disrupted thing, it satisfied the need for clinging. But now the fence was broken down, the support was snatched away. Marner's thoughts could no longer move in their old round, and were baffled by a blank like that which meets a plodding ant when the earth has broken away on its homeward path. The loom was there, and the weaving, and the growing pattern in the cloth, but the bright treasure in the hole under his feet was gone. The prospect of handling and counting it was gone. The evening had no phantasm of delight to still the poor soul's craving. The thought of the money he would get by his actual work could bring no joy, for its meager image was only a fresh reminder of his loss. And hope was too heavily crushed by the sudden blow for his imagination to dwell on the growth of a new hoard from that small beginning." Unquote. I was moved by the contrast of Silas's withering desolation over the same subject about which his neighbors were arguing at their ease. In an age of clickbait headlines and social media scandals, with the most personal details of private existences splashed across electronic pages, it's good to be reminded that we might much too callously and cavalierly discuss topics that for some people mean real suffering. While we gossip, they groan. I was also struck by the image Elliot used to capture the community sentiment that Silas's life was so empty that nothing could be subtracted from it without ending it altogether. Elliot has the capacity to conceptualize such sentiments 
and then translate them into a perceptible, concrete picture. It is a life, she says, so withered and shrunken that it could hardly be susceptible of a bruise. But, we are told, it was a life of purpose, an eager life, a clinging life. Only the thing to which it clung, his gold, was a dead, disrupted thing that could be snatched away. Silas's gold as the dead object round which the fibers of his life clung gave a compelling, physical form to what I've heard termed a defense value. As I understand it, a defense value is a value latched onto for a false sense of security and self-worth by one who fundamentally lacks them. After Silas lost everything, his friends, his home, his faith, he channeled all that remained of his enthusiasm for living into his gold. Having been robbed of all real value, he clung to his gold as the one thing that gave his life meaning. Though it could never have fulfilled his need of meaning, it at least satisfied the need for clinging. And then he was robbed of that, too. Finally, though so much more could be said, I loved the metaphor Eliot used to capture Silas's blunted, baffled sense of purpose. He had once been a spider, who, drowning his sorrows in the steadiness of work, wove from pure impulse without reflection. Now, after the robbery, his thoughts are no longer able to move in their old round, and they are baffled by a blank like that which meets a plodding ant when the earth has broken away on its homeward path. There are so many, many paragraphs worthy of this sort of scrutiny, and I love taking the time when I can to savor every sentence.